Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. and Alternative Parties Books Publisher sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Greetings. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Today we have the Swamp Gator Party. They're going to tell us some interesting things about their party. So welcome. How's it going? Uh, it's, yeah, my name is Leighton Nicholas. I'm the founder and chairman of the Swamp Gator Party. Um, and it's a, it's an honor to be here. I appreciate you reaching out to me. It's an honor to have you. So let us get kindly started by you giving us a background of yourself, a brief biographical sketch. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's a question I wasn't, uh, I wasn't ready for, but I was, uh, I was raised by a um, a professional fighter. Uh, my daddy was a professional boxer back in the day, and um, uh, my mother was a little bit younger than him. Uh, I would have been raised in Miami, Florida, um, except that my father wasn't able to hold on to any of the money, uh, so he moved around a lot and ended up in Lutz. Uh, first, that's in Hillsborough County in Florida, and then eventually in Tarpon Springs, Florida, because of uh, uh, my Greek heritage, uh, my Greek ancestors. It's, it's a Greek town, so we ended up in Tarpon Springs, Florida, and I just recently moved to St. Petersburg, Florida, um, but I spent most of my life in Florida. And... um so since an early age, I've always been interested in politics. Uh, both my parents, well, my mother, she's a, a staunch liberal, and I've always been turned off uh, by that. Just just seeing the zeal that she had for just one particular ideology that I could tell sometimes she might not have um, agreed with or her ideology didn't align with it, but she would still have a zeal for it. Um, because that's the side she chose. My father, I felt, was more more moderate and and um, I feel like he just went along with my mother on a lot of political issues, um, especially from conversations we've had. Um, and and for a little while in my life, uh, we grew up very poor because my father couldn't hold on. Um, to the money that he made boxing in with his businesses. And I've been to some pretty good schools. I went to university twice, but I feel like a lot of my education is, is from uh, self-educating, um, like how an autodidact would. And a lot of it was, was political theory. Um, I was a political science major, but I like to study those kind of things on my own. Um, I also like to um, study that ones that were attempted to be put into practice. Um, there's a lot of political ideologies and societal ideologies that were put into practice that never really um uh, happened the way that it was supposed to. Um, 
And I I learned a lot of a lot of stuff from my father who never actually even graduated high school. Um, but he was like a walking dictionary and and he was the most educated man I knew. He just didn't have the paper. And I I I feel like I uh followed suit in that because when I did go to, to higher education I started to see that it was an industry the same way that um the criminal justice system and the prisons in this country have turned into an industry. And um, I became disillusioned with, with the way that our government is is being ran and um, disillusioned with both of the prominent parties in this country. I like to say that I, even though I don't align with the Republican Party, I am a Republican that I'm for a republic, and even though I don't align with the Democratic Party, I am a Democrat because I'm for a free democracy. Um, but I, I've sort of formulated over time um, what would work and what wouldn't work, and I feel like we had a, a vision for a republic that never came to fruition. And I would like that to get restored. Um, I feel like right now that we're living in a, a aristocracy slash oligarchy, uh, late stage capitalism, we're headed towards disaster. Um, but there, there's a whole lot of things. I don't know if you have some questions for me, but it's it's just a little basic, little basic rundown of of the main ideology. Sure, interesting background you have. So kindly yeah. tell us what sure. led you to start this party. Well, it's it started. It started when I uh when I moved down to St. Petersburg is because I needed a life change. Um okay. I had grown up in poverty and my life had taken um taken a turn for like a downward turn and I started to get the wrong things in my head on how to get by in this society. Um and then I realized one day that I didn't like that. I didn't like that about myself. And I, I didn't like that I was assimilating into the worst of this society. And I felt like a lot of people do that when you feel like there's no other way. And that's the majority of this country. And, um, I felt like there was a better way. So I wanted to, I wanted to form a party. That would basically, main goal was to restore the republic. And the funny thing about the name is that I would hear politicians from, from both parties, um, but mainly the right talking about draining the swamp. And a lot of the politicians that talked about draining the swamp ended up being the swampiest out there, <laughs> you know, putting lobbyists in their cabinet and, and whatnot. And 
with the name, uh, the gator, the alligator is, is the apex predator of the swamp. And, you know, that's, that's what it would be. It would be, it would be getting, it would be doing away with the, with the, uh, corruption. Hmm. If the swamp gator party was able to enter the swamp, we are swamp gators. We will, we would do our best to eliminate that. Um, because the corruption runs deep and it, it's, it's at every level, federal, state, local. I've, I've felt it most of my life. Just a small town that I grew up in, there was a whole lot of corruption. I actually have a friend that's, that's running, um, for the city council. Um, that, that's been fighting pretty hard against it in, in the city that, uh, the town I grew up in. Mm. But yeah, that's, that's basically, that, that's basically what it was to restore the republic, but first, um, get rid of all the politicians that have turned it into what it is today, because that's necessary. It's just it's just gonna be in in um aristocracy that's gonna continue um unless unless we just have a new wave come in. It's necessary. Sure. Also also one of the main things is is um having people having the people pitch ideology to the representatives instead of the other way around. You know, the people are pitched this ideology from from their representatives, and it should be the other way around. We should pitch it to them, and then they should they should put it up for a vote. Like in town hall meetings. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like uh, especially especially the House members should hold more town hall meetings and and sometimes I'll watch them where it just seems like they're just sitting there talking to their constituents. They're they're um, proposing an ideology to their constituents when it should be the other way around. A representative should be there to listen, not to speak. There's there's too much um, loudspeaker and not enough hearing aid. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so basically, that's that's you know what the Swamp Gator Party is about. The main things, anyways. You know, there is there is things that's that's more complex about it. You know, I there's things in the party's ideology that sounds like they could come from right wing or left wing, and you know that's kind of the point of it is that just wanna. Just want to kind of put the whole bird in the oven in a nonviolent way, of course. Yeah, of course. That was my joke of the day. Huh. 
So you mentioned the issue with your friend running for city council. What other issues are you facing in Florida and in your area? Oh, there's a whole lot of them. Um, but I would say that the main the main problems is is environmental. Okay. Um, and then there's developers that are trying to um, procure um, uh, protected areas, and sometimes they do. There's corrupt city officials that that let them uh, get these protected areas and build on them. And that was that was the main thing that, that got my friends started um, with it. And also, also in Florida, we have a serious problem with corrupt uh, police forces, and and we have private prisons. Um, I I don't know what the exact number is right now, but the last time I looked, there was somewhere around two hundred in the state of Florida. That's that's a ridiculous number. Um, the criminal justice system is definitely an industry, which it shouldn't be, ever. And um, and definitely higher education too. But the main the main issues with uh, with this region is is uh, income wealth gap. Uh, wages not matching cost of living. I'm, I'm sure that's, that's a problem all over the country, but it's, it's apparent here. Um, you can definitely see it, um, when you tour around towns and cities, you can definitely see, um, the effects of that. Um, rent is too high. And we don't make enough money. Uh, look, I have an older father, all right? Um, he's 88 right now, and I'm still in my 30s. And he used to tell me about um, back when he, was, when he was younger, people could, people could get a job at a grocery store or a, or a hardware store and be able to have a house, a couple cars, and, and raise a family. And uh, and now you would have to have a job at the grocery store and the hardware store. You would have to uh, sell trinkets and direct ship online. And, and uh, whatever else just to get by, and it shouldn't be that way. That's a big problem in the state of Florida is is income and wealth gap. That's a, that's a very big problem there. Not getting paid for the work we're doing is basically what it is. Sure. But what so got what my phone started was the was the uh people trying to develop on protected lands. 
so they want to use up the little remaining land you have in Florida for commercial development. Yeah, especially in this area. In the Tampa Bay area, there's a big issue with with um, the population is growing. This has become a very popular area. Um, I went back to Lutz after 20 years, and it and it didn't even look the same. It was way more developed than it was when I lived there. Huh. And um, yeah, this whole area is growing very fast. And and that's the issue that we're running into is that developers want to use protected land, and um, and there's problems with pollution in this area too. Those are just those are just some regional things. So that would get, get back to your swamp gator thing that these people are wanting are corrupt and they want to use their advantage and ignore what's best for everyone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's been like that for a long time. I mean, we even see, we can even see all the way back to Abraham Lincoln where where uh, political ideology and, and where he went uh, with the direction of this country had to do with the placement of the railroad. His cronies that got him in to office and the placement of the railroad. It's been going on for a long time. Huh. So you don't see Lincoln as a purely benevolent figure? No, I don't. That would be Thaddeus Stevens. Okay. Thaddeus Stevens was, was the leader of the abolitionist movement. Um, the Lincoln we learn about now, I, I was blessed to have a great history professor that um, told told me about what goes on in this country uh, to kind of canonize Lincoln and make him out to be somebody that he wasn't. He actually, yeah. Abraham Lincoln asked Robert E. Lee first before anyone else to run the Union Army. He didn't care who Robert E. Lee was. He didn't care that he was a slave owner, any of that stuff. He, he knew that he was strategically the best general out there, and, and he asked him to run the Union Army. And if Virginia wouldn't have seceded, uh, that would have happened. Robert E. Lee would have ran the Union Army, um, and it would have been a different story. Huh. But that, that happens a lot with the politicians in this country. Um, there's, there's sort of like this, this false, um, I don't want to say bravado. It's, a, it's like a whole, story even after they're gone but really if we look at the things that they did um, it wasn't for the betterment of this country and the direction that we've headed towards uh, because of the people that have been corrupted is late stage capitalism that's about to collapse and huh. i I'm a strong believer that it's never too late. You know, we can always do do things to um, to improve. I, I just don't. I just think that there's a whole lot of brainwashing too in this country where where people won't be susceptible to doing what's necessary. Um, 
for there not to be a collapse. And there's Who's people brainwashing, like, you think? I'm sorry, go ahead. You said what type of brainwashing? No, who's doing the brainwashing? Oh, who's doing the brainwashing? Um, whoever wants to keep the status quo. Okay. I know a lot of it. A lot of it started during the Cold War. Um, but but it's still kept up to this day. You know, we're told that. Um, we're we're told falsehoods about um, political ideologies. Like for one, um, for one, we're brainwashed into into thinking communism is this terrible thing because of the examples um, from history and even the ones that are going on today. But really, there's never been a real example of communism in in human history. The countries that that were claiming to be communists uh communists weren't and and they ain't and then and then all the other ones end up not working out either um rome was was built as a republic that was what it was supposed to be in the beginning, I draw a lot of parallels with Rome and the United States of America. And we should be called the Republic of the United States of America, but we ain't. That's not a name that we use because the rest of the world would let us know that we ain't a republic. That's that's part of the brainwashing is that we tell the people that we have a republic when we really don't by the definition of it. And and we're headed the same way as Rome. And I think one of the things that happened um, with the Trump presidency is that um, we're close to having a Julius Caesar moment. It's hard to 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 run a correlation with with other events in history, like exactly with what happened in this country. Um, because there was other factors like, like fascism, you know, there was, there was definite, we definitely almost had a fascist revolution in this country. And that, that has a lot to do with the brainwashing of, of, uh, what's patriotic and what ain't, you know, um, a lot of people are brainwashed into thinking that things are patriotic when it, when it's not true patriotism to a constitutional republic, what it is is it's extreme nationalism, which basically is fascism. You know, there's a large population in this country that's brainwashed into thinking patriotism, uh, a a skewed version of patriotism that in actuality is fascism. I don't know. I, I might be talking in circles, but there's there's a whole there's a whole lot there's a whole lot, sir. Interesting. I'm intrigued by this whole Lincoln thing. Now, 
I know I've heard a lot of people talk about how historical figures are sanitized and they are extra elevated. I've heard about Lincoln people saying that he didn't really care that much about slavery. He just did it because he wanted to win the war. I did not ever hear the corruption part that and the crony capitalism part that he emphasized. So that is very interesting that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, those, those were, a lot of his backers were from the Union Pacific Railroad. And, and that was actually part of the Civil War. Part of the Civil War starting was placement of the railroad. I hear that's why the North won. One of the reasons they won was because they had greater railroads in the North than they did in the South, so that helped their war effort. Yeah, yeah. It it was definitely the Union Pacific Railroad. And and those... Um, that was a big part of Lincoln um, being able to hold office. He had large contributions from the the Union Pacific Railroad. Interesting. Yeah. And well, and that's what that's what happens. I mean, there's there's so many examples of this. You know, the last I I didn't really look too much into um I don't think there were any lobbyists in, in Barack Obama's cabinet. There was a whole bunch of them in special interest in Donald Trump's cabinet. Um but those are just the recent ones. Um I don't know if, if you have any knowledge on it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe that the Obama administration had lobbyists in their uh in their cabinet. A special interest. He, but I could be wrong. he tried to put one in. He tried to put one in. Tom Daschle, because now he's a lobbyist. Unless I don't know if you consider him a lobbyist because he didn't. I don't know if he was a lobbyist then, but after he went to office, went out of office, he became a lobbyist. So would that count? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it it depends though. Like like he'll. He would do that in the future. He would try to corrupt administrations in the future. Okay. But I was just wondering if if he was able to do that. But there's other things that go into the Obama administration, like like party ideology, uh-huh. like like it's mm-hmm. it's the whole party, the whole party wave around a lot of a lot of these politicians. And and that was definitely the issue with Barack Obama was that he had it was it was just the Democratic Party. Now, I feel like that's the same with Joe Biden. That's that's one of the reasons why the Democrats didn't like Tulsi Gabbard is because she didn't want to, she didn't want to just go with the party. I don't know if you know, if you know um, about Tulsi Gabbard, but um, that's an interesting story to look into. She was actually shunned huh. by, by that party, and she and she claims it's Hillary Clinton herself that did it. You know, just because she didn't want to toe the party line, and that's what that's what a lot of uh, 
That's what most of the presidents and politicians do. And the Republicans were scared that Donald Trump wouldn't toe the party line or that he would turn the Republican Party in, into, into the party of Trump, which, which he pretty much did. And yeah, it's, it's complex though, the way it goes, the way influences happen, you know, it was weird to see that that there were special interests in Donald Trump's cabinet, but also there were other special interests that he ended up ousting. So it was kind of interesting to see, you know, which ones he put in there, which ones he got out of there. It, it was an interesting time. Yeah. So do you think he did it for self-interest, like some people said was his motivation? Is that why he got them out? And put others in. Not really sure because with 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 Donald Trump, it's it's weird because you know he he is he is um, he's a pretty rich man himself, so he might just you know these might just be his buddies in the industry okay. in different industries, just like him, his cronies, and. You know, he might not be uh, dealing with people that he doesn't have a previous relationship for his own benefit. You know, he might just be, he might have just been putting his buddies in there. But I I don't know. This This is just speculation from what I've seen. Okay. When you put, when you put uh, someone from a pharmaceutical company in, in, uh, I believe it was the FDA you know, it has something to do with our food and drugs. And then uh Betsy DeVos, I believe she's I believe she's um married to to an oil executive, if I'm not mistaken. And putting her in, in uh the head of the Department of Education, that's uh, it's pretty obvious. You know. When you do stuff like that, it's pretty obvious that, you know, your interest ain't in draining the swamp. And it's funny using these terms because they're, they're misused, greatly misused. Um, but if we actually look at what that means, draining the swamp, and then we see the people that tout that, and Donald Trump was one of them, and then did the opposite, and that's basically what they all do. They they use these key words like draining the swamp to get votes and then they do the opposite. It's kind of disgusting. And that was one of the things that went in the name of Swamp Gator Party. That's that's where the name came from. It's being the apex predator of the swamp. So being the one that that does drain the swamp, not just talks about draining the swamp. Mm. It's it's because it's because the Swamp Gator Party does not care about if we fail or not. See, that's that's the thing about success is that you can't be afraid to fail, and people give in to corruption because they want it. They don't want to leave. Um, that's one thing that the Swamp Gator Party always has to stick to 
is that we don't get too invested in um in staying in a system that we know is uh is corrupted and could be way better sure you know these these people give in give in to their ideals so they could stick around and that's one thing that we can't have with the swamp gator party um we're going to so how are you going to prevent that what's that so how are you going to prevent that um just have to have like-minded people that that just don't want um that put that put an honest republic above living lavishly themselves selfishly and, and lavishly i guess i guess you would say um empathetic and unselfish people okay that's that's what's needed um in the swamp gator party it's 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 basically a requirement sure so if we have people in the audience who believe they meet those qualifications how can they support the swamp gator party well We haven't we haven't got too much we haven't gotten too much traction um other than other than um South Pinellas County. Okay. You know, a little bit in North Pinellas County, um in the Tampa Bay area. Um but what can you repeat the question again? Yes. Exactly the question? Sure. For those in the audience who believe they meet the qualifications that you put forth, how would they support the Swamp Gator Party? Let me know how you can help. Okay. Let me know. Let me know. Um... Let me know what you feel like are the issues on and how you can help. Okay. Um and and also uh joining the the Swamp Gator Party Facebook page. Um okay. I personally I personally am, am gonna make a run soon at a local office and then um and then so on from there, you know, moving up the ladder uh, with that. But, okay, that sounds good. But along the way, no matter how small the platform, I'm still, I'm still gonna, gonna voice an empathetic ideology. Sure. And you know, there's no perfect. The thing is, is that there's no perfect system of government. That's why we have these ideologies and these theories of what's going to work and then it don't. And then we're surprised and then we want to come up with another political theory when we should go about it with no theory at all. 
just as many parties and as many theories and ideologies as possible and go with the one that you feel like is best. And and if it ends up that the majority likes something that's wicked like fascism, then then we'll have a, a bloody war or something again. <laughs> but you know we we can't um we can't we can't be perfect. So the only thing that we can do is uh is have more than two prominent parties in this country. As many as possible. That's one thing the Swamp Gay yeah. Party will do is try to be prominent and and bigger than any other one. It's just one of the many in a constitutional republic. But yeah, the main thing for support at this point is just is just joining the Swamp Gator Party Facebook page. And then Okay. You know, as as time goes on, um we're gonna have we're gonna have more and more um we're gonna have more and more things going on. A lot more a lot more of our ideals being put out there. Sounds great. 